also extend a welcome to each one this morning. Uh, the uh, foyer was a buzz this morning in between Sunday school and the service here and, and lots of anticipation in the air. Uh, this truly is an exciting time in the life of the church and in the life of these three that have applied for baptism. Welcome to each one. I see a, perhaps a few ordained men in the auditorium. God bless you. I see Naaman and Mary are here as well. It's good to have you here with us uh, today. The soul that on Jesus hath leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. I was challenged by the words of that song this morning. You know, our walk with the Lord, there are times when it feels like all hell is out against us. As long as we don't forsake God, he will never, no, never, no, never forsake us. And I wonder sometimes if we could get a picture of what's going on in the spiritual realm this morning. It's a buzz. I believe it is. I believe the spiritual world is, is a buzz right now. On one hand, I, I think God is, sit, is standing there and he's smiling. He's excited about what's going on here in this service this morning. His angels are rejoicing. And Jesus is at his right hand saying, for these three, I died. For these three, I shed my blood. For this whole congregation, I shed my blood. For the church, I shed my blood. And on the other hand, we have the, 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 the satanic forces and the evil forces, and they're frustrated. They're frustrated. I feel like they're, 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 they're struggling. They're, they, they wish they could tear this service apart, but they can't. They're limited. They're, they're, they're hindered, and we need prayer warriors at this service to, to this morning, um, stationed throughout this congregation, just to keep praying that God's, God, we know God will prevail, but we need each one to pray that his spirit would move among us and would rest upon these three in particular and the choices that they've made and, and the service that we're conducting this morning. Have you considered, have you thought about what goes on? I thought about this. Um, as I was pondering this service, what is going on this morning? You know, in a, in a little bit, Floyd and Marcus are going to come along and they're going to pour a little bit of water on your heads. And, and you ladies, you know, you spend some time getting your hair ready and, and this is going to get water. And if you have glasses, you get smudged water on your glasses and, and, and your clothes get wet, the floor gets wet. It's kind of a mess. Um, but what goes on? And I think there's something significant that goes on this morning, and the spiritual world is taking notice of it. God is taking note of it. You're making a public commit, a confession. You're making a public declaration. Uh, something that that um, that you've a choice that you've made a while ago, but today is a significant step. It might, and in some ways, I know it, it it seems like a process that we go through, but it is a significant step in your life. The last commandment Jesus gave to his disciples before he ascended into heaven was, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. And that's what we're doing here this morning. There's three that will be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. <clears throat> A lot going on this morning. You know, in the secular and business world, when someone joins an organization, there's things like onboarding processes that we do. There's rites of passages. There's initiation ceremonies. There's various terms that people give to, um, to 
when someone joins an organization. In a church, uh, we have things like membership classes, we have instruction classes, and then we have things like the baptismal service this morning. And other church groups may um, have different terms or different methods or processes of getting to this point. But either way, there is a process to becoming part of the church, part of the Church of Jesus Christ, and part of the local body here at Mine Road Amish Mennonite Church. <clears throat> and this morning, that part of that, the, 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 uh, the climax of that process is the baptismal service that will be conducted here at the end of the service. We refer to, and we've instructed, y'all remember um, from instruction class, we refer to baptism as an ordinance, an ordinance of the church. The word ordinance means a direction or command of an authoritative nature, according to a dictionary. Think of ter- things like uh, township ordinances. It's a, it's a, it's a law, uh, a command or direction in, that shows us how to go with some authority behind it. We, as a church, in the church, we refer to ordinances as an external visible ceremony, which is established by God and has spiritual meanings, and we talk about that often as we go throughout the instruction class lessons. So it's an external visible ceremony, which is established by God and has a spiritual meaning. It's not something that we make up on our own, but it's something that was established by God. So if it is an external visible ceremony, what is baptism a symbol of? In the portion of scripture that Alvin read, Peter says that Noah going into the ark was a symbol of baptism or an illustration of baptism. Peter knew the story of Noah and the ark uh, like we do today. I expect it was handed to him in verbal form. The story was passed on from generation to generation. Today we have it recorded in scripture for us to, to read and study. This portion of scripture and this, this reference to Noah entering into the ark, we, we have to take note that the context here is, is that of, of Christian conduct, how a Christian should live and how a Christian should respond to suffering is particularly the, this, the context in which this reference is made to. <clears throat> suffering for righteousness' sake, where God will take care of, just like that verse of song, um, that soul Though all hell should endeavor to shake, to shall never, uh, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. I'm, I shouldn't try quoting it. In the context of suffering, the Christian suffering for his faith, Peter mentions baptism and Noah entering into the ark. So let's look at this story a bit and review the story of Noah and the ark. It's only six chapters into the Bible, that God says, my spirit shall not always strive with men. And he was frustrated, as it says there, with what was going on. The wickedness was terrible in the world at that time, and yet he gave them another 120 years. And this verse, uh, this portion, and Peter mentions that in verse 20. Once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, it says that God, it, it repented God that he had made men. 
And then he, bring, he mentions Noah, and he says, Noah found grace in the eyes of God. Verse 9 says, Noah was a just man. He was perfect in his generations, and he walked with God. Verses 11 through 13 tell us about the corruption and the wickedness uh, that was taking place going on in the world around Noah. Verse 22 in chapter 6 I'm sorry, let me back up a little bit, get ahead of myself. Verses 14 through 21, then in Genesis, 20, in Genesis 6, God gives Noah instructions to build the ark. And then in verse 22, it says that according to all that God commanded, so did he. And that's significant when we think of Noah and the life of Noah. According to all that God commanded, so did he. <clears throat> and let's keep that thought in mind as we continue through the message this morning. The story of Noah and the ark and the flood is recorded for us in Genesis chapter 6, verses 22 through 7, verse 6, and I'll not take time to read that, but it's an interesting, intriguing story. We've heard this from childhood up. One of those stories that as children we try to picture all those animals filing into the ark in an organized way, and of course today we have the luxury of being able to go visit a replica of the ark um, there in Kentucky. Peter says, it was in verse 21, the like figure, when referring to Noah and his sons and their wives going into the ark, the like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. He calls it a symbol or a, a figure of baptism. And so how is Noah and the ark, how is the ark a picture of or a symbol of baptism? <clears throat> The ark, I believe, is a symbol, can be a symbol of salvation. Noah and his wife, their three sons and their wives, were saved from judgment by entering into the ark. A unique situation. Um, there hadn't even been enough of rain to even think about flooding in that time. And so what in the world is Noah doing building this humongous ark in the middle of wherever he built it um, with no rain in sight? For 120 years, he went about that work. It took faith in God for Noah to enter into the ark. It took action. Noah had to believe God, and then he had to act on that belief in God. Entering the ark was a public expression of that faith that he had within himself. No matter of the mockery, no matter of the ridicule and resistance that he faced during the construction of the ark, he pressed on, he stayed faithful to, to what God had commanded him to do, and his faith in God, his belief in something they had never experienced before propelled him to continue moving and forward with the construction of the ark. And then, in the final, and moving into the ark himself, he and his wife and his three sons and their wives, and then that door is shut. God shut them in, the Bible tells us. They separated themselves from the evil around them by entering the ark. Entering the ark wasn't an act of commitment. The ark can also be a symbol of the church, I believe, a safe haven from the wickedness in the world, a gathering of those who believe in God and have committed themselves to him and his commands. <clears throat> and as you three join the church, I trust that can be your experience this morning, that the church is a safe haven 
for you from the wickedness of the world as we gather together and minister and encourage each other in our walk with the Lord, that it can be a strength and a blessing to you. Only the contents, if you wish, of the ark were saved from the flood. Those who entered the ark entered a covenant relationship with God. They committed themselves to believing what he said would happen. The water is, can be a symbolism of the baptism. By way of the flood, God destroyed all wickedness from the face of the earth. Noah and his family entered into the ark and were saved from destruction. The rain fell on the ark, and as it collected on the ground around them, actually the Bible tells us the fountains of the deep broke forth too. So I, I think there was water coming up, and there was water coming down, and it just made this tremendous natural disaster, and eventually this enough of water to float this ark and enough of water to cover the whole face of the earth. Unbelievers were destroyed in this account, and the believers were saved. It was Noah's good conscience. Keep in mind, and Peter mentions that in particular here, it was Noah's good conscience toward God that caused him to do all that God had commanded. In an expression of faith, in an expression of obedience and faith in God, he entered into the ark in spite of all the ridicule and criticism he faced. So let's remember that baptism is an ordinance. It's an outward ceremony, giving witness to what has already taken place in your heart. The water that gets poured on you doesn't cleanse you. You're looking pretty clean this morning, so we're not depending on that water to cleanse you. It signifies a cleansing that has taken place in your heart already. The water poured on your head is a symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured on you, but it's not actually, it does not endue you with the Holy Spirit. We believe that you have the Holy Spirit within you already. It signifies, rather, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that has already taken place in your lives. Let's look for a moment, then, at some conditions for baptism which we believe that you have met. Peter mentions that Noah, out of a good conscience toward God, obeyed God. How does one develop, or how is a good conscience attained? And I think these three conditions for baptism help us with that. Repentance, faith, and conversion. Repentance is a deep-seated change. It's when a conscience becomes aware of its guilt and realizes that there is a way to find freedom from that guilt. We know that guilt is condemning. Guilt is, it brings bad feelings to us and it brings feelings of condemnation and, and, and it can bring fear to our hearts. And some of you testified to that uh, when you made your commitment to God, how you were freed from that uh, guilt and condemnation and found peace in your hearts. When a a conscience becomes aware of its guilt, realizes that there is a way to find freedom from the guilt and makes a change. Repentance is making a change. Noah preached repentance. 
2 Peter 2, verse 5 calls him a preacher of righteousness. Acts 28, Acts 2, I'm sorry, Acts 2, verses 38 and 39, Peter preached repentance to the, the people there. And he said, I'm just going to look that up. A lot was going on there at, in this setting as well. Uh, Jerusalem and the area they were in was abuzz with the, the revival that was taking place. Many souls were being won. Many souls were uh, giving their hearts to the Lord. And then Peter in verses 38 and 39 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as, our, as the Lord our God shall call. <clears throat> Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. In 2 Corinthians 7, I'll look at a few verses there. It talks about repentance and the change that repentance brings in the life of it. A Christian. Second Corinthians eight through eleven. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent, though I did repent. For I perceive that the same epistle that hath made you sorry, though it were but for a season. So there was the guilt and the condemnation that was felt, but for a season. Verse nine Now you rejoice that you were made sorry. I'm sorry. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that ye sorrowed to repentance, for ye were made sorry after a godly manner, that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. For behold the selfsame thing that ye sorrowed after a godly sort, what carefulness it wrought in you, yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation, yea, what fear, yea, what vehement desire, yea, what zeal, yea, what revenge. In all things, ye have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. <clears throat> Godly sorrow produced repentance that resulted in a carefulness in their walk with the Lord, a clearing of themselves, a hatred for sin, and a desire to serve God. Think about that in the story of Noah. And the flood. It was only those that heard the message and that believed it and responded to it that were saved. The second condition for baptism is faith. Faith is a wholehearted commitment. It's when a conscience becomes aware of a need for someone bigger than oneself and turns to that someone for what he has to offer in spite of what the world may say. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. By grace you are saved through faith. Faith is a complex word, but in simple terms, it's believing God and what he says and believing his word and acting on it. It took faith in Noah's time. Think about it, to believe Noah's message. Hebrews 11 talks, mentions Noah as well. And I'll just read a few verses there. 
I'll just read one verse. Hebrews 11, verse 7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Tremendous example of faith that Noah, being warned of things that he had never seen, never heard of before, and even through that stayed consistent with it, constant with it, for 120 years. Amazing story. <clears throat> By walking into that ark, Noah identified himself with God in a very real and public way. And that's what you three are doing this morning as well in your baptism. You're identifying God with God in a real and public way. There's many people here this morning. The church house is full, and they're here to witness what is taking place. And I trust that as witnesses then, that we also assume our responsibility in walking beside these three and encouraging them in their walk with the Lord and in challenging them and inspiring them along the way. <clears throat> the third condition for baptism is conversion. Acts 3.19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Repentance and faith will produce in an individual an openness and responsiveness to the truth that everyone will be able to see. Changing your ways, choosing to follow God, turning your back on the things of the world, and following God no matter what. So why? Why baptism? Why do we take this step? Sort of been alluding to that, to the why throughout the message, but just a few points in particular. It is an act of obedience. Jesus commanded it. And it is a public expression. And there's something about that public expression. And as I say, it, it affects the congregation here, yes, but I, it also affects the spiritual world, I'm convinced. This baptismal service this morning is noticed. It's being watched. It's a public expression and it has a solidifying effect on your commitment to Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts and throughout the life of the early church, it was connected to church membership. Words like added to the church um, are mentioned throughout the book of Acts. And that's, that's the practice that we've chosen to take um, to make it a part of you becoming a member of the church. And I think it's a good thing. It brings accountability and responsibility um, for each of you. And then also a sense of responsibility on our part as um, members in the church to, to walk with each other in our walk with the Lord. <clears throat> we could spend some time talking about the mode. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, I believe that the practice we have chosen, I think that we need to be careful that we don't get too hung up on the mode of baptism and, 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 um, and overlook the purpose and the why of baptism. But we believe we've chosen to adopt this practice of sprinkling, and we believe it's practical. It serves the purpose well. It's very useful. It can be practiced in most any setting and climate. <clears throat> this morning in this baptismal service, you will be washed with, you will be baptized, I'm sorry, you will be baptized with water, not to wash you and make you clean but as evidence 
of the answer of a good conscience toward God. The answer of a good conscience toward God. Will your walk be perfect from here on out? I doubt it. I'm sorry. It's just the way life is. But will you continue? We trust that you will. Will we stand by you? We commit ourselves to that. And together we can serve God. Together we can walk and focus on living our lives in a way that has a good conscience toward God. While today is a milestone in your lives, it is not an end in itself. Rather, it's sort of a continuation and a beginning. It's a continuation in the sense that you've already given your hearts to the Lord, and so it's a continuation of that walk with God that you've already experienced. And don't be surprised if if the battle intensifies or if you might be faced with some things in the next days and weeks that you wonder where this is coming from or why uh, am I struggling with this. And I think it has everything to do with the fact that, that the, the devil and his angels hate this service and they hate the commitment that you're making. And so they'll, they'll do all they can to bombard you with things to, to make you struggle and things to make you stumble and slip you up. <clears throat> But God is faithful. That soul that trusts in him, he will never, no, never, no, never forsake. It's a beginning in the sense that this is a public declaration that you've made. You've not done this publicly before. And it's a beginning that in a sense that you're a part of the church and a part of the local body of the church here at Mine Road. From today forward, in a new way, again, this is sort of a continuous, continuation has a sense of continuation, a sense of newness to it. You will walk in newness of life. You are no longer living in the flesh to the lusts of men, but now you live to the will of God. If you walk in all the commandments of God as Noah did, you will experience the blessing of a good conscience toward God. You are not your own. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I want to wish you three my blessing. It's been a, a joy to walk with you, walk with you in the, throughout this time of instruction class. It's always a good time, and I've appreciated your responsiveness and your input. I think we'll bow for prayer at the moment. Let's bow.